Hi, I'm Becky Eakins, business mindset and lifestyle coach for occupational therapists. I focus on creating a freedom-based online business, helping OTs to package up their skills in unique and exciting offers that feel so good that they sell with ease in the online space. Since leaving the profession of OT, I have now worked with hundreds of clients online, helping them to create a life they feel inspired by. In this podcast, I will talk about the lifestyle goals, mindset and strategy you need to create your own life of freedom. Hello. So today's episode, I wanted to actually talk about world schooling or home education, unschooling. So it's a big subject area. So this is likely to be a longer podcast episode. And I really wanted to talk about OT and home education. I just feel the two closely align, even though from the offset, it doesn't really look like what I'm talking about is anything to do with OTs creating a business. Um, But I feel it's related. So hear me out on this one. It'll be a longer episode because I'm going to use some stories and examples of, of our experience. But over the years, I've met many other OTs who are also taking their kids out of traditional school settings and have chosen to educate them at home. And I, I do feel like the OT skill set lends itself so beautifully to this kind of free education. And I know it does feel like it's a bit off to- topic, but this is actually related to business. And it's very much given me my why, and it's been a huge driver into the reasons for me creating a life of freedom. My kids basically taught me the biggest lessons about the benefits of freedom. They taught me about the meaning of flow and being in alignment, of listening to the bodies, of being in touch with with the core of what makes them tick, I've learned so much from my experience of educating my kids or being a home educating family that it's massively enhanced the way I choose to live my own life. I almost can't separate the two about me wanting to create this business and this freedom lifestyle and the kids teaching me why. Um, It's very much the natural cycles of learning that they had, listening to your body, finding flow, slowing down. That was a big lesson to me that my daughter taught me when she was three and when she was four. It's she needed slow. She needed calm. And it doesn't mean to say that she wasn't productive because she was incredibly productive as long as she had the silence and the peace. So I'm going to talk about that today. And to start with, I'm just going to introduce some of the terms that I might use because they might not be understood by everybody. So first of all, home education um, is also called homeschooling in other parts of the world. And it's the idea that your children are not educated in traditional or mainstream schools. In the UK, we've got a tendency to use the term home education instead of homeschooling, as it's really not about trying to replicate school at home. That would feel a little bit weird um, and and is not really um, going to work for a lot of families. 
But just so you know, there's a lot of different um, theories on home education and people do it in so many different ways. So I am just literally going to share our take on it. And what we chose to do eventually was unschooling. So this is a process where we allow the child to lead the learning. It can be curiosity driven, really. So there's no sit down at a desk or kitchen table going through workbooks unless the kid has actually requested to because that does happen. Um, but there's no kind of formal education with unschooling. It's just exactly as as the kid designs it, really. So, yeah, we also the word home in home education feels very wrong to me because we are definitely going down community based learning. That's how we've always learned is out in the community, mixing in large groups and also traveling the world. So with unschooling, the kids really have autonomy and freedom. There's a real sense of trust. There's, trust is one of the biggest lessons. We have to trust them um, and we have to trust ourselves. We have to de-school ourselves because a lot of us have been, you know, brought up with traditional educational experiences. And we have to trust that actually you can learn a lot more when you um, get out of that mindset. So I have always provided an education rich environment um, and allowed the kids to be able to explore their own interests. So they basically follow their own passions, which has been really, really rewarding to watch. Essentially, unschooling is not forcing education. It allows the child to find their own intrinsic motivation. And actually, we have used tutoring, even though we are unschooling, because, um, for example, when my daughter was obsessed over history, she, I can't remember where we met this lady now, I think it was online during the pandemic, but this wonderful actress from Warwick Castle, who was deeply interested in history and so good at interacting um, with my daughter, and uh, my daughter wanted private lessons with her because she was so absolutely inspired by history. So the unschooling doesn't necessarily mean no tutoring. If that's what they want, that's um, what they get. So the next term I'm just going to introduce is world schooling. And this is a movement of people who travel the world very often nomadically with their kids. And the education is absorbed through life experiences. The world is just rich in education. And it's my belief that this is the deepest and richest education that you can receive anywhere. I mean, it's just hands on. It's absorbing the culture. It's feeling what's happening within the world. And oh, I just think it's beautiful. And we've world schooled on and off we've never been full-time world schoolers but on and off we've done this um, ever since our kids have been a few weeks old they've traveled all around the UK and all around Europe on multiple multiple trips um, but they've also been to Morocco Thailand Australia um, so we've tended to do trips that are between one month and three months on most occasions rather than being fully nomadic but other families just choose to, to roam constantly. So 
To explain the deepness of the education, I'll just give you an example of um, Morocco. This was one of our favorite things that we did as a family, but I booked to stay in a traditional Moroccan home, a, a Berber family, and we stayed during Ramadan. So as a non-religious family, we're non-religious. So this was a perfect opportunity to observe what it's like to be a family with a religion, with deep values and a, a religion that they deeply cared about and to actually be with them while um, they had these traditions and rituals that they were going through. So I know when we were taking the children to the toilet at the night, we could see the family all praying and we got to break the fast with a with them and and eat the foods that they were eating and grandma taught us how to prepare traditional moroccan food and the kids just they got to take the the bread they were making to a clay oven and it was it was just such a beautiful experience and we had um a Moroccan tea, you know, the, the mint tea that they make. And we had a little competition and it was just so much fun to learn. It was just so deeply rich in, in learning, really. And our kids got to play with their kids. They were a similar age. And there was just this real close connection between the two families from different parts of the world. It was a lovely experience. And I know in Thailand we had a lot of experiences, but one of them just being that that was most memorable was when the kids were able to make paper, uh, recycled paper out of elephant poo. And it was just such a tactile and just beautiful experience. And um, they were learning off um, some Thai women who were who were teaching them, but also learning about the environment and just the fact that they got to play with this elephant poo and um, actually make this paper. It was wonderful. And then Australia was our most recent trip. Um, so uh, not everything was perfect. As the kids get older, they have more and more opinions. So I just want to give a balanced view on this. But one of the best things that they did there was swimming in the Great Barrier Reef. I mean, what an amazing opportunity to get to do. Um, swimming with turtles, experiencing rainforest life. I mean, it is just literally going to leave an imprint on them forever. The excitement when the turtles came up. Oh, it was just unbelievable. And seeing just the faces when they jumped off the boat and then going underwater and just the colours of the Great Barrier Reef. And it was so beautiful. And we had many more cultural experiences there. I know my son reported that it taught him more than any other trip that we've ever had. But I think that's just mainly because now he's 11, he can remember it more, which is great. So there's a connected community as you travel the world. And we've met one particular family in three different continents. There's a whole world schooling hub of people who meet up for activities. Um, so when we were in Thailand, we all met and we had a Thai cookery lesson and there were at least 15 kids of all ages and they met and they were from all across the world and they learned to cook new food together and they played till late into the evening and every day. While we were there in Chiang Mai, they were just playing with these new friends they'd made. And like I said, we we followed some families into other countries as well. There's so many world schooling hubs. It's a, it's a really fun 
kind of place and it makes the world feel a little bit smaller as well because you can go and you can meet um other families almost wherever you want to to visit so that's just a bit about the terms and what it's about but why did I start it in the first place so just to give a brief kind of introduction to that in the UK kids start school at a crazily young age so my daughter being August born she was literally just a few days into her fourth year of life when she was made to go now I objected at the time I knew she was too young as a mother, I could feel that she was too young to be in school all day. I knew she loved being sociable and she loved nursery where she was half a day, but she um, she was still napping every day and she needed that sleep. But I didn't know about home education, so I just followed the rules and that's just what I thought you had to do. Everybody else sent their kids to school as far as I knew. But we lost our happy child at that time and she cried every day, basically. In the mornings, I had to wake her up. <clears throat> I had to force her out of bed. And um, it was sad because as a child, she's always had this really good natural regulation of her body. And I was forcing her to be out of sync with it. And it just felt wrong. You know, you've got to wake up. You've got to rush. You've got to... You know, I, I hated every moment of it. <clears throat> and she cried every morning and every day as soon as she got back with us after school. Now, school did tell us that they saw a really chatty child. So I knew she was happy within school. But as parents, we had literally lost our daughter. She had no energy for anything. And that would last the whole weekend. She was just exhausted. And then it was during the Easter break. She had two weeks off school. And on day nine of this break, I remember it so specifically, it was like our daughter just woke up, the old daughter we used to have before she went to school and saw a complete change in her. She was laughing, she was happy, and it suddenly reminded me of the child that we had before she went to school. It was just like we had our daughter back again. And that was the catalyst for change for me. It took months of reading up about home education and then I had to persuade dad that it was a good option. But by that summer, we decided that she would not be returning. In fact, even more than that, because I had now empowered myself, read up on the law, I went to the school after Easter and I told them she would only be attending part-time. It took three meetings with the head of the school who kept telling me that I was breaking the law and that, you know, I had to send my daughter to school. And eventually when I um, sent her a lot of the <laughs> law, she actually realized that we could do this. And so my daughter only went part time, basically, but that was only allowed to continue till she was five. During her time at school, I I just became frustrated with so many things, really. The school dinners, I mean, it's the little things, isn't it? But she wanted school dinners. She wanted to be with her friends. and um, But they, they kept giving a cake, like this massive cake that she was only little. I mean, to me, it seemed to be almost as big as her face. It was ridiculous. And I um, approached the school about this amount of sugar that they were giving the kids every single day. And they said that it was all calculated as part of her dietary requirements and that, you know, it had all been assessed. 
<laughs> and deemed as healthy. And so oh, I was just horrified because we were super healthy in terms of a diet at that stage in life. And thankfully, because my daughter was so self-regulated, she said herself, mum, I'm not having this cake. It makes me feel sick. Uh, <laughs> so I was very relieved that she made that wise decision. But it just kind of annoyed me. And it annoyed me that they tried to control the holidays that we had. I, um, you know, I don't want to go on holiday when somebody tells me to. And it's my deep down belief that our travel in experience has provided a richer experience in her education than the teaching. In fact, I'll go as far as saying the school were damaging her education at this stage because they were forcing her into reading and writing and she wasn't ready for that. And she left school aged four quite traumatized about reading and writing, saying how much she hated it. And that is so sad. And it actually took us a long time to undo the damage that school caused in terms of that. When I objected about some of these issues at school, the head did tell me um, that I needed to toughen her up for school. Toughen her up. You've got to toughen her up. You're too soft, which I just thought was an absolutely ridiculous idea to say to a four-year-old who was very sensitive child and actually didn't ever need toughening up. So the lessons I got from sending uh, my daughter to school aged four was toughen up, don't listen to your body. Adults are above you and your opinions don't count. So none of these theories really sat comfortably with me. So we did stop I had a four and two year old when I stopped school. So my son has never been to school. And my son being a boy, he was so active and physical. And I just felt that if he was forced to sit at a desk like my daughter was, he would end up with some kind of diagnosis. Whereas in reality, he just needed to like get out and play. And he needed to be climbing trees, running, using his body. And when he was four, we took him to home ed groups that did parkour, free play, street dance and all sorts of movement based activities. But one of the biggest things that I really valued was the idea of free play. And, and that's been a big driver through everything we've done in home education. In fact, I didn't want my son to learn. I, I was holding back because uh, from everything I've read about reading at a young age or being, there's a, there's a big difference between being forced into reading before you're ready and naturally reading. And I just wanted him to, to start to read when he was much older, um, when, when he naturally felt ready. But for him, he was different. At the age of four, he handed me a book of dinosaurs. He slapped it down and he said, I'm going to read this book. I never had to teach him at all. He just figured it out. Again, we provided an education-rich environment. There were toys. There was um, just different programs that he would watch on TV as well. And he just taught himself. I've never had to teach him anything. So, yeah, he just learned to read when he was ready. And my son's always had an obsession with games. And we use another term. This is a 
another theory, really, the idea of game schooling. And this is the theory that you can learn almost everything through just playing games. And we'll play games for hours and hours. And his favorite game at the minute, one of his favorite games is City of Zombies. It's a really good maths game. Oh, it hurts my head. It really hurts my head. But he obsesses over it. And um, as such, when he's regularly played it, he's decided the maths is actually too easy. And so he created his own version of the game and created a, a new game and made all the cards and um, did the mathematical kind of equations to figure out what, what numbers he needed and, and what number patterns and has basically created a game to challenge his mind more. And he frequently designs and creates games. And um, to this day, we still play games almost daily as a massive part of his education. They provide such a, a rich experience um, he does a lot of the adventure kind of games where he's leading and running and designing um, designing games and he'll be leading a group of people. So very often he'll invite people around um, thinking like Dungeons and Dragons, but he actually creates his own games. So it's, it's not called the same, but the, watching his leadership skills and his creativity is fantastic. So when we pulled the kids out of school, one of the first things we did, and it was literally the first week that we started home educating, was we attended a home education festival. Well, oh my goodness, this was incredible. It was an introduction to a very free home ed lifestyle. And the fields were just full of kids who were wild and free and there were kids from all over the world that were staying and living in big vans and everyone mixed together in an educational, rich environment. And I have to say, still to this day, these festivals are my favorite thing to do. The kids love them. And they're multiple craft activities, science workshops, debating opportunities, acting, multiple music and singing workshops literally every educational opportunity that you could ever imagine except for anything that involves sitting down at a desk with a boring book <laughs> it's just free learning and you know what's best is that adults get to do it as well so, you know we get to go to singing workshops or I've learned so many different crafts from doing this and and the kids are independent so because over the years, we've attended back-to-back -back festivals from the end of May to the start of September, year after year after year, apart from during COVID. And the kids are just so free. They roam around in large groups, very often returning to us in the middle of the night. Some festivals are in the countryside where they could just go swim in the rivers. They can walk to uh, over the fields to the local town to get ice cream. Or they might be on these campgrounds if it's like a, a big festival, but they can just be free. So at the age of two, this was our first festival. We lost our son for about 45 minutes. It was incredibly frightening. Um, he'd been playing with a group and he'd just gone down the wrong row of tents and got uh, got horribly lost. Um, he was the only boy in the whole of the festival, the only two-year-old with a mop of curly hair and a bright red full-on Liverpool football kit. So he was quite easy to find. 
and a very kind parent kind of helped us to to find him but since that experience both kids have been so wise at regulating their own sense of direction so the following year when we went to festivals they stayed with us until a point that they felt safe that they understood their sense of direction and this experience really enabled us to have trust in them and also most importantly for them to have trust in their own sense of direction it allowed them to have a sense of freedom and that freedom has just enabled them to listen to their own intuition to manage their own safety to work on relationships to about to set boundaries with the friends and actually practice being a real adult and um, I just love this freedom that they've had and this opportunity and trust is really a big part of that as they're developing into adults and really starting to rely on their own intuition which I think is so important. I recorded a mindset meditation, one that you can do overnight very powerful in terms of helping you create the confidence, the self-belief and deal with any money mindset issues. I use these kind of overnight meditations all the time. I found them incredibly powerful. So I've created a very special one and I'm giving it for free to all of my podcast listeners. You can download it on the show notes. So on this kind of safety aspect, my son's always had knives from being a very young age. He's had a selection of knives. And um, for his ninth birthday, he also got an axe for for a present. And um, you always know you've got home-educated kids when you see them playing with tools like this very freely and confidently. And certainly living in the forest the last few years, he's always wanted to use knives and other tools for the purpose that they were intended, getting wood for a fire and creating things, um, making dens. And both kids are able to make fires and, and safely manage them. And just from a young age, we've just been able to trust them and he's managed his own safety Uh, from a very young age, to be honest. We've provided instruction and guidance and education around it. Um, We have obviously told them about safe practices, but they've got this kind of internal, um, well-developed sense of awareness and ability to manage danger, which is really lovely to see. And it's been seeing this internal guidance that the kids have developed and really observing that normal life forces us to not listen to our internal guidance you know having to drag my daughter out of bed when she knew she needed sleep having to force her to eat when she wasn't ready to eat because she wasn't allowed to eat at the time she wanted to eat. All of these things just made me recognize that there were things within my own life and business, you know, like we're damaged. Um, So much of society, um, a lot of us who've been educated in normal in normal ways we've just stopped listening to our internal guidance and we've then created a life that's completely out of flow 
with our internal body systems, we've had to learn to ignore the signs our body's giving because we're not allowed to eat in lessons and we're not allowed to go to the toilet. And, you know, we're constantly trained to ignore this as good practice for when we're in the work environment later, of which we will also be taught to ignore the signs that our own body is given and it's just not natural and I believe that we function better as humans with natural flow and when we can find our own energetic pattern and I thank the kids for highlighting this to me so just as a disclaimer I am not telling you to let your kids play with knives or um, fires or roam free at festivals. I understand that we've chosen to take bigger risks than many other parents might choose, but that's just because of this relationship that we've developed and this sense of trust that we've grown up with, with the kids, just allowing them to um, have this, this sense of intuition and, and listen to their own internal guidance. But how do you actually create a life where you can be free with your children and not have to send them to school? So that bit was tricky for us. It meant that we couldn't both work full time. And it also meant that we had to think outside the box. And over the years, we've tried so many different strategies, you know, just various different options of, of work in different ways. But ultimately, it led to me creating a business where I can just be free whenever I want to be and travel whenever I want to travel. But one of the first lifestyle changes that we made was actually using work away as. So for those people who don't know what that is, this is a website where travelers can come to your home for free bed and board in return for five hours work per day day now unfortunately in the UK this has changed and it's not really an option since Brexit happened so it's a real shame but um, as my kids were growing up for three years we hosted um, so many work awayers they're mainly young people but we also had um, people in the 40s and 50s come and stay with us as well and we chose we chose who we had based off this website so we mainly had German people um, that was just because as a family, we were trying to learn a language together. That was our choice. So we chose German. So we had lots and lots of Germans. But also we hosted people from Korea, Japan, France, Italy, Cuba, Russia, Spain, probably many more countries. I just can't remember them all. And we particularly chose people who had skills that we deemed as fun. So, for example, we had magicians, scientists, lots and lots and lots of musicians, a skipping ex expert, and we had all sorts of sports people that would come into our home and just help bring, bring a new activity into the home. So, in a fun way. And at that time, uh, myself and, and my husband at the time, we were able to work from home so we'd got this system really where the kids could be entertained by these workawayers, but we were actually within the home just for safeguarding reasons. Oh, it works so well. And we often chose young people because they had energy and enthusiasm for the kids. Like one workaway, he played, he jumped on the trampoline. I think it was nine hours he jumped on the trampoline with the kids teaching them German numbers. It was so funny. Um, there's no way I could have done that. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, he was a young 
think he might have been about 18, 19, young German lad. Um, they cooked with us. They taught us how to make traditional meals from all over the world. And we we kept a recipe book of all the, the new meals that they taught us. We often spoke in German at the dinner table and we had fun teaching them tongue twisters and telling stories over shared meals. We brought the culture basically from travel into our home during a time when we wasn't able to travel quite as much. And um, it just provided a really education-rich environment. And we loved our workaways. Like, we really treated them as part of the family. And we kept in touch with many of them for years. So um, as a result of that, we were invited to a traditional Bavarian wedding in Germany. And we decided to attend. And then at the same time, we managed to visit nine of our workaways as we traveled the whole of the circumference of Germany. My goodness, Germany is a big country to drive from. And it was a fantastic trip. Uh, one of our highlights was staying with a very traditional family in East Germany. And they they all spoke German. There was only the dad who spoke English. And uh, they rang the bell and we we came down for a very formal dinner with them. Um, and it was just it was just fantastic. The father was telling stories around the dinner table about his experiences of living as a teen, you know, in Germany before the Berlin Wall actually came down and what that was like for him. And it was just so fantastically interesting. And music, music has been another thing that really formed a big part of this work away and home experience. And we loved the music, the singing, um, all the different instruments that they brought into our home. And one of the biggest things again from this is the idea of community learning. And I feel this is massively missing in society where we are expected to raise our children on our own. And in actual fact, I believe there's so much richness in community education, sharing food, languages, dancing, music and fun. And the kids gain so much from learning from other people, which has just been amazing. But the whole idea of home education shocks a lot of people. So we have come against a lot of people who think we're crazy who think we're wild, who think we're, we're, we're just not doing the best for our kids. And generally, I find that it's a lack of knowledge that happens. And we receive the same patterns of questions from people. Um, the first question being, do you tutor your kids? Are you the teacher? <laughs> I, I just get fed up with this question. So I always just look somebody in the eye and say, no, I just leave them to educate themselves. And then I walk off and have a little giggle because that is what we do. But I just know that people just, <laughs> they don't understand how that works in reality. And everybody's always shocked and think, you know, how can you possibly educate your kids? How can you know what you're doing? But it's it just comes from a lack of education. Um, the more I leave my kids to educate themselves, the more they find this internal motivation and deep love of learning. It's beautiful to watch. And what I've noticed is they both learn in cycles and I've observed that over the years. So they have these obsessions and it might be maths for a few weeks and all they want to learn about is 
it in their play, their chat, the books they choose, the games they choose. And then all of a sudden it just disappears and they move on and they might go through a period where it looks like they're not learning anything. And when you first see that, that can be a real test, especially for us parents to kind of trust. But before you know it, another cycle takes over and they're back into learning something else. And over the years, these cycles have have always been constant. And there's always been these natural breaks, these natural pauses between them. And that's something that I've very much learned to honor in my own life and, and learned from them. But one of the second thing, and uh, probably the biggest area of criticism for people who don't understand what home education is, is, but how do they socialize? I can't count how many times I've been asked this question, to the extent of which I literally just give a mild internal groan, because I wonder how sitting around a desk at school all day full of kids the same age being told and instructed by adults what to do every hour and having very short breaks actually constitutes for any quality of social learning and engagement at all. I just can't get my head around why this is even a question. Whereas in comparison, the the rich social environment that home education, home educated kids can receive out in the community Um, You know, very often they'll be out from 10 in the morning till six at night, just free play, the festivals where they get to mix with kids of all ages, you know, and older ones are supporting younger ones, they interact with adults, there's um, group play, there's just hours and hours of fun and social interaction. But there is a flip side of that. And it is possible that home educated kids in the wrong environment could stay in the house and just be mixing with the parents. Yeah, that's a bit weird, but it does happen. Um, And since we've moved to the countryside, it definitely got harder since we moved to North Wales. The home educating experience hasn't been as easy as when we were in England. But in England, there were just so many groups that we literally each day, it was like, kids, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to parkour? Do you want to go to a swimming group? Do you want to go to a craft group? And they they just had so much opportunity. Whereas here, we've just got to drive a bit further because we live so far away from from everywhere. But yeah, I didn't agree with the way that school just keeps kids only playing with kids of a certain age and has the adults in the hierarchy as the leaders. Um, I don't like that personally, but um, that's why I, I prefer the freedom that home education offers for social life. So, so that's my answer to that one. Um, sometimes I do wonder because the kids would be socializing so much more than they would be at school and that's why I can never get my head around how that is even a question but I think it's because people expect that we are at home rather than community-based and then another question really common question will get asked over and over again is do they need to do exams and what's the quality of their education well no Child in the UK or sorry, in England or Wales, they don't need to do set exams. However, I'll let you decide whether that's a good idea or not. My daughter, who's age 13, is now at school. She wanted to take her GCSEs. There were so many other ways she could have taken her GCSEs. 
but she wished to go to school and have that school experience. So she's she's gone in. She actually found it quite an easy transition. Um, she was voted in on the class council on the first day of school, which showed her total confidence, her love of debating, and also her ability to communicate to a group of strangers that she was best for the job. Um, she's just not afraid to speak to teachers as because, you know, adults have never really been authority figures. So she's comfortable in speaking to them. And she just found it a really easy transition into school. Now, to be completely honest, and having never had any other formal education since the age of four, she is classed as being behind educationally in some subjects, or she was. And that's mainly because she has a very practical understanding of maths, for example, um, with business or with shopping and things, but and the same with science. But it, there's a specific language that is only used in schools that she doesn't know. So so we did find that she was classed as behind in some subjects and then she's top of the class in others. But within three months, she's actually caught up with her classmates, which bamboozles me a little bit because she's never been to school, not since the age of four. And after it just feels weird that she could so quickly catch up with everybody and actually be top of the class in some of the subjects and yet she's not being educated so it does make you wonder what has been taught for all of those years so my daughter's opinion is um, she thinks all kids should be home educated until high school so they get to have a childhood that's her opinion age 13 I think both of my kids are likely to be entrepreneurs, which is why I'm not too worried about qualifications, but I will encourage them to get them if they want. And like I said before, there's many ways of getting qualifications that don't require a school. Um, but I'm open to whatever my kids decide is right for them. I know my daughter's particularly talented with DIY. She's very, very practical and she's helped us with the renovation of multiple houses and and run multiple businesses um, and have an Airbnb business. She was very integral to us setting that up and watching the business grow. So it's given her a deep sense of excitement about business in general. And she has talked many times about being an entrepreneur. My son is a little bit different. And um, I know when he was eight, we were all sleeping at a home education festival. We were all in the camper van and he dived out of bed and he put a shirt and a tie on. Quite unusual for a boy at a festival to have a shirt and tie on. And he checked his watch and we says, uh, where are you going? And he, and he said that he'd got a business meeting to attend to. He had no time for breakfast. He just disappeared and uh, he'd been gone all day. So we, we went off to go and have a look what he was doing because he'd not eaten and, you know, he was only eight. And we saw him basically running a shop with a group of friends. So there were two of them, my son and his best mate, who were running this shop. And they were selling items to other kids and also to passing adults. And they'd made quite a bit of money. They were doing well. The business was thriving. And my son and his friend attracted in a group of kids who were now selling underneath them. People were asking to be able to sell as part of their business um, because the boys had got themselves a good reputation. They were known as the shop on site. 
And then an older girl came in. She's one of our good friends and she's incredibly business savvy. And she basically offered to do their accounting for them to manage their finances for a cut, of course. And at the end of the day, after working very hard for the whole day and having made a lot of money, the boys came home with next to nothing, <laughs> but they were very happy. <laughs> it was quite amusing. And the older girl had persuaded them that what they had was a fair wage <laughs> and that she'd managed the money in a very um, safe way and safe and fair way. <laughs> So it, this event was so full of opportunity for discussion. I mean, I can't imagine how much learning that provided for my son because initially he was happy with the situation. You know, he'd run a successful business. He'd designed it, he'd developed it, he'd grown it. And then it got taken over by, <laughs> by an older girl who um, managed his finances so much opportunity for learning there and it provided us with lots of giggles and great opportunity for discussion as parents as well which was brilliant so once I watched my kids just wake up when they wanted to wake each day move when they wanted to move the bodies play when they wanted to play and learn in cycles I realized they were so in tune with their bodies and that's when I noticed how dysregulated I was. I was forcing myself to go to work when actually I knew that it was damaging me at the time. It was not fulfilling me. I was having to wake up when I felt sleepy and having to sleep when I felt awake. I was not in tune with any of my body systems. And I was also not free and the kids were free. And that really bugged me. Oh, it bugged me so much. Uh, <laughs> I was jealous. I was jealous of this lifestyle that they created, that they had, you know, this total freedom. And that is why my kids were one of the biggest forces in me creating a freedom lifestyle. I just realized that as adults, we're the same. We've got cycles of interests. We've got times when we feel massively productive and times when we just need rest and going to work was forcing me against the flow of my natural rhythm it forced me into a life pattern that didn't suit my family holidays were limited and yet we knew as a family we were better on these long trips but work were really trying to limit it and they, you know, I've always preferred trips to be over three weeks. To me, that is a holiday, anything under three weeks. And it's just um, a small trip away. Um, but there's something about the way you can fully absorb the experience of travel when, when you're in places for months rather than days. So hopefully you can see why this experience with my kids just taught me to bring our life into alignment to really look at the natural flow it's the very essence of what we do in our business design it's what I believe in my core that for you to create a business that we need to tap into this sense of flow this freedom and really that all comes with this building this deep sense of being in alignment with the core of who we are 
it's not all been perfect. I don't want to paint a picture that life is perfect. I still have grumpy kids and um, emotions and moods. I never want to give the impression that we're a perfect family because we're really not. But we have managed to find flow and I love that. And that's just what I wanted to share with you today. I just wanted to take a moment to share how I help occupational therapists to create their own version of freedom. I help OTs all around the world to design, launch and scale their online business. You will learn how to tap into a deeper understanding of your purpose, your mission and how to turn that into an exciting offer to sell online. I've clients who've hit 3k, 5k, 10k and 15k months. Anything is possible. If it sounds like a good fit, then contact me via the link on the show notes. 